hit me. From Studio P, Sausalito, home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. The number one comedy podcast about comedy... Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast commentator, Mark Hershon. Startlingly, I am Mark Hershon, and this is Epi 47 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. Coming to you once again from Studio F, my fiat. Instead of Studio P, the home of the hit. Which reminds me, our producer-engineer Joe Polino and his musical partner Tim White kicked some ass in the meditation musical circles last year. Can you say kick ass in meditation in the same breath? Their Inhale Slowly album got all kinds of crazy kudos, and they ended up in some top ten lists for 2012. So, way to go, Joe. Apologies to you our kind listeners. Uh, I've got a cold that's got down into my throat, so if uh, my dulcet tones sound different or less dulcety, uh, that's the reason why. Apologies, but wanted to get this episode out as uh, soon as I can. I'm a little bit late. Sorry about that. Um, anyway, I was talking about Joe and being in the top 10 list, and speaking of top 10s, here's the latest Stitcher top 10 comedy podcasts for this week. Uh, At 10, Smodcast with Kevin Smith. That's down three from last week. By the way, in conversation with Jeff Garland, a brand new podcast from out of nowhere jumps up to number nine in the top 10 list. So way to go, Jeff. Uh, We'll be playing a clip from that in just a moment. At number eight is Doug Love Movies. That's moved up a space. Comedy, or uh, Death Squad, sorry. Death Squad is up a space to number seven. And there's no change in the top six list from last week at all. At six is More Stories with Jay Moore. At five is The Nerdist. At four is NPR's Car Talk Podcast. Number three, WTF with Mark Marin. Number two, The Adam Carolla Show. And number one is The Joe Rogan Experience. That's your top ten Stitcher comedy podcast for this week. So if you want to see some motion going on up there near the top, you uh, loyal listeners to other comedy podcasts, uh, start doing your work from Stitcher and see what happens. Coming up later this show is my interview with uh, our special guest, David Owen. David is one of the founders and producers of the San Francisco Sketch Fest. It is the 12th annual of which uh, that is going to be happening just around the corner. And even though we're in the same city and have been friends for years, Dave is so busy this time of year as we're on the eve of Sketchfest that I had to catch up with him on Skype just to get him to sit still long enough for an interview. Fortunately, I did not have my, uh, my weird throat thing going on, so that interview is blessedly free of that. And before we get to it, however, we have a mini pod fest of comedy podcast clips to get to, so let's get to them. Uh, by the way, I heard that the New York City pod fest went very well. It was this past weekend, very well attended. Uh, so congratulations out there on the other coast. All right, uh, I had mentioned Jeff Garland and his new podcast, by the way, in conversation with Jeff Garland, uh, jumped up to number nine in the top 10 Stitcher top uh, top 10 comedy podcast. So um, it's only been around for a week, and it's over on the Earwolf Network. The show's recorded live in front of an audience at Largo in Los Angeles. Now, I've met and worked with Jeff on stage a couple times, did some improv with him at the Laugh Factory in Los Angeles, also worked with him doing improv in San Francisco at Cobb's Comedy Club a few years back. And I must say that Jeff's a good guy and a garrulous storyteller. So he makes a perfect host for being someone you're going to be in conversation with. 
Uh, for his first outing, he tapped Larry David, the co-creator of Seinfeld, and with whom he works on Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's over an hour of rollicking conversation, and the audience loves it, as you can hear in this clip. You know what? I, I, I've learned about myself that I didn't know, like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. What? And it's, I, obviously it's been going on my whole life. I have no ass. <laughs> I don't have an ass. Same thing, my friend. <laughs> you think it's a Jew thing, maybe? I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I mean, is it... First, when somebody said it to me once, I thought it was a good thing, you know. Oh, I don't but have an ass. you've got enough, by the way. This is good. You have enough. Uh, not that I've sat, sat and stared at your ass for too long. For a short time, I will. Um, no, your, your ass is normal. Well, thank you very much. It's a normal ass. My ass is normal. It's a normal ass. There's, there are people you see who truly have no ass, and it's kind of weird. It's almost like they're walking with like a pelvis forward, and, and there's like a... You don't have that. I've been around you in your underwear. You're fine. Okay. I wouldn't right. worry about it. Okay. I'm not worried. Yeah. No, don't even think about yeah. it. It's never... So when did you, like, recently you've started thinking about this or no? No. Um, you, you brought it up. Uh, I'm I trying didn't bring to, up no ass. You, you said, brought it up. You said ass. You said ass. Oh, I said she has a great ass. Yeah, oh, that's so you that said the word talk. ass and then it triggered that. We're having a conversation. Yeah, but when I think of a... And when you say something, I try and say okay. something. That's the way uh, you've been uh, interacting. Yeah, but if you were works. telling me about I'm some interacting. Ass, yeah. if you were telling me about someone who had a, a really fantastic ass, I wouldn't immediately go to my own ass. Well, you, you said the word ass. You reminded me of my own ass. <laughs> All right. If you were talking about glasses, I would say, oh yeah, boy, I got a pair of glasses. You know. <laughs> okay. But what's that word? That narcissistic. That you take everything and sort of make it yourself. Oh, now you're saying I take everything. Yeah. No, you don't take it. I just said that is referred yes. to. You're, do you, you actually what, said... What, what is this? That's just a bonus recorder. It's recording oh, this, too. Oh, okay. They're recording up there, these okay. things. I just thought... Okay. You know, by the way, remember you said you didn't trust? Yeah. That's what this is. I've had too many I things still, happen. I still wish it was a little closer. I still feel like I'm, I'm expending too much effort. <laughs> I just want to be one of those guys who just kind of sits and talks like this. You know? But you can with that. No, not really. Listen, you can't really. No, you are. If, if, no, talk, no, say no, something. No, here, here's my ideal way of talking. Okay. okay. <clears throat> Ask me a question. Um, what did you think of the puppet show? Well, you know what, in terms of the uh, puppet... <laughs> See, I, that's how I'd like to talk, but... Uh, but you could. No, you, sound like, no, you sound like an idiot. No, Ask me a question. <laughs> Ask me a question, I'm going to do your version of how you'd like to talk, okay? You go ahead and ask me a question. Ask me any question and I'll, and I'll do it. And they'll be able to hear it and it'll work, but it just sounds crazy. Go ahead. Who takes your shirts in for cleaning? Well, i got to tell you, um, I've got two people. I've got Tony. He picks it up about 7 a.m. He picks up a stack of shirts, and he brings them over to yeah. the uh, shirt. Yeah. What's, well, you could do that if you wanted to, but no, you'd be I, sounding strange. I don't, say, I don't think I, It's I, almost like uh, no, Glenn Close and Madonna with their English accent. It's sort of you doing this sort of laid-back, tea-drinking broadcaster. What? Uh, i got to tell you something. We're going to go uh, next Tuesday to... What, what did you say about Glenn Close and Madonna? What was that? Over the years, they've been known to have an English accent, even though they're both not English. <laughs> have you never heard them do that before? It's great. I mean, it's great because you can make fun of it. 
it will definitely be interesting to see who else Jeff gets into a rockin' tour off with in the episodes to come. So find uh, In Conversation with Jeff Garland over at Earwolf.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio, where you can also find Succotash. Yep, that's right. He's back! I mentioned last episode that comedian actor Larry Miller was finally well enough to return to the podcast waves this past week. And the first new episode of This Week with Larry Miller dropped last Thursday. And most of the show, Larry talks about the freak accident that landed him in the hospital, a medically induced coma, and months of rehabilitation. And of course he does it in classic Larry Miller storytelling style. Because that sort of thing is so hard to clip, I'd love to play part of it, but you wouldn't get the whole gist of the story. I've opted to tease tease you with one of his favorite features from his own show, his joke of the week, which is just him telling an old joke. And now, that's right, the joke of the week. I loved telling these things. We did one joke a week, and we got to a really good place with them, and I, I think... We have a really good joke of the week to start the whole thing off with. And uh, it, it starts with, as we were just saying, the colonel and I were just saying, how many jokes always start with, well, there's a priest, there's a rabbi, there's a minister. How For a hundred years, it just seemed like such a natural way to tell jokes. So a priest walks into a place with a rabbi and then the minister comes up. It's just always so natural. And in this case, the joke starts with, it's a church, and the priest comes to the confessional booth, and he sits down, and he slides the little slide away, and uh, there's an old man sitting there, and he says, uh, yes, okay, let's go ahead. And the old man says to him, Father, I have to be honest with you. I Last night, I had three 22-year-old women in my bed, in my apartment. They were all over the place. It was the most amazing night of sex I've ever had. And after we would finish, then I'd have one on one side, one on the other. We'd be watching TV. The third one would be reheating the Chinese food. And it was just fantastic. And then we, and then the, the priest suddenly says, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, let's go in order here. When, when was your last confession? And the guy says, well, I've never had one. And the priest said, what are you talking about? You've never had one. And the guy says, I have to be honest. I've never had a confession. Well, you should have them. That's, as you know, a big part of our faith. If you're Catholic, and the guy says, well, that's the thing. I'm not Catholic. That's maybe why I haven't had a, had a confession. You're not Catholic? He says, no, I'm Jewish. And, well, why did you come here to tell me? And he says, I'm telling everyone. Wouldn't you tell everyone? I'm telling you, and by the way, if you think, don't get so insulted. Yesterday I was in a Hindu place, and I don't think they liked it at all. You really should do yourself a favor and hear Larry's telling of the fall that started it all. Find him at adamcarolla.com slash lmblog, iTunes, and you can listen streaming through This Week with Larry Miller's Facebook page, which you can also do by, with Succotash, by the way. If you go to our Facebook page, Succotash Show, uh, you can listen to this show streaming. Of course, this show you're already listening to, so what would really be the point? You know, Larry Miller isn't the only one podcasting who can tell a story but he can tell it rather well because he is a professional. Let's give a listen to Double Talk Radio, where Double K and one of his guests from this episode, Maddie, have a story to tell. And you'll probably hear from DK's co-host, Cookie J, and their other guest, The Hick. The audio quality of this cast is uh, less than what I would say our usual standards are, but they've got something going on, it seems. They've been on for a while. They have a lot of loyal listeners. Uh, so, um, you know, if they could just tweak that sound a little bit, uh, I think they'd have something golden all right uh well maddie and i uh have a story for you so let's go into uh 
Well, I thought uh, 2012 was a year of uh, of uh, weird stories, but um, how about 2013 kicking off with some good ones? Uh, I like this one caught my eye. This one comes from, of course, uh, the Huffington Post, and it says, Harvard to approve BDSM sex club called Harvard College Munch. What? Wait a minute. BDSM is... Um, bondage? Sadomasochist. Wait. Bondage. What is it? Oh, my God. I can't remember. Bondage, dominatrix, masochism. Thank you. And, of right, course, right, in right. the year 2012, butt chugging. <laughs> so this is at a college. There's a... a Can what? I tell you about it? Go ahead. Harvard University, home to the best and brightest, now has an official club for the kinkiest. Harvard College College Munch for BDSM set uh, will be approved as a student organization on Friday. The Crimson, their newspaper reported. Uh, the expected go-ahead by the Committee on Student Life will uh, entitle Munch to Meet for lunch or dinner on campus and promote gatherings on school grounds and apply for grants from the school's drug and alcohol peer advisories organization. Wait, now, so the BDSM where else would you see a lot of booze and drugs than at a, a sadomasochism party? And they're and they're applying for grants from the Alcohol Peer Advisors Organization. <laughs> That's crazy. I'll tell you something. One of my friends, my friend Mike, went to Harvard, and uh, he's a sex addict. Yeah. Well, he might join the club. Yeah. Well, no, he went to Harvard. He's he's old now, older. Well, he's your age. Um, well, Serena wants to go out for a snack, and I'm not nowhere around. Okay. Thanks for reading your texts on air. We love Thank them. Thank you. You're welcome. You should. Tw- always- you know what you should do is you should uh, tweet them real time. I love to share. You'll get more. Uh, you'll get more um, followers than Bieber. You can check out Double K and his posse at DoubleTalkRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and they're also on TalkShoe.com. That's Talk T A L K S H O E dot com. Coming up later in the show is my interview with David Owen, co-founder and co-producer of SF Sketchfest, which is having its 12th annual rendition this year. Duncan Trussell's a comedian with well over 100 epies of the Duncan Trussell Family Hour under his belt. His guests include comedians, actors, and people from all sorts of interesting directions. Most recently, his focus in his pre-interview portion of the show has been looking at a probable diagnosis of testicular cancer for himself. Our hearts go out to him, and we wish him a safe recovery. And you have to admire the spirit with which he approaches such a heavy thing, as heard from the beginning of a recent episode. I got cancer. I got cancer. I'm part of a statistical demographic that ends up getting cancer. Machine today, it's gonna blast me with a radiation ray. It's gonna burn my lymph nodes away. I hope, I hope I don't need them. Don't even know what a lymph node is for, but I'm gonna have to send it out the door. Cause I got cancer, 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 cancer. 
friends, and thank you for tuning into the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Is this, if this is the first time that you've listened to the Duncan Trussell Family Hour, I'd like to personally climb into your pocket and nestle into the inner folds of your back pocket and sleep there for a while and dream with you. I would like to entwine momentarily with you and your dreams and go to a place where we could sit together in some grass-covered field and stare out at some beautiful alien sunset with three incredible burning stars in the sky and strange hoofed tentacle creatures that dance in front of us with little tambourines and pipes filled with an herb that smells like the underbelly of caterpillars harvested in the dark lands that H.P. Lovecraft wrote about in his incredible book, The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. If I could, that's what I'd do. And I would look at you and you would look at me and I would try to make you understand how absolutely improbable it is that at this very moment you have allowed my raspy lesbian voice to go spilling into the inner parts of your ears and trigger the part of your brain that transforms sound vibrations into human speech. What a mess we've gotten into, I'd say to you. What is this? How did you let me shrink and get into your pocket and take you to this weird place? I don't know how to get out of here. And we would stay there, stuck in that place for a million years, gradually being born and dying and born again, always to the same mother, but not a human mother, an enormous fat larva thing with 7,000 dilated eyeballs and fang teeth. And every time we found ourselves ejected from her alien vagina, she would devour us and inject us again over and over and over again with a increase in the acceleration, an increase in temporal velocity until our births and deaths had sped up to a kind of strobe light rapidity until at last we separated once again and returned to our roles, you as the person tuning in to the Duncan Trussell Family Hour and me as the person called Duncan Trussell babbling into a microphone somewhere in Los Angeles on a Friday. Hello. That was taken from the episode of the Duncan Trussell Family Hour, where he later interviews James Wasserman about the um, the occult. Very interesting interview. Um, as I said, a lot of those shows are pretty funny because he has comics on a lot because he is a com- comedian as well. So check out more at DuncanTrussell.com, iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, and FeralAudio.com as well. It is Tweet Sack time. Ah, yeah. Hi, Tweet Sack. Mentions in the tweet sack this past week include Nug13 and Illusionoid Pod. The, you know, the gang from Illusionoid will be our special guests next week. Had a very fun interview with them. We also heard in the tweet sack from Royal under slash N under slash Doodle. The three guys rant seven days a geek, but he spells it S, the number seven, even days a geek. See? Uh, John Anilio, King underscore Meanie, the D-Head Factor, Mental Poison, HRH underscore Tommy Royal, who says, Tweet Sack, Bird, Chicken, Cock, Balls, Ball Sack. I've made the link. Do I get the prize? Uh, sure, Tommy. If there was a prize to be had, you would be getting it. Uh, Monica Hamburg, we heard from D. Haglin and Phil Larness from the Chill Pack uh, Hollywood Hour. Dolly Walmick. Amelia Rosal, Storyworthy, Angus Doodle, I Am the Strider, Susan Weigmans, the underscore RVS underscore podcast, and official COD I. So thank you for uh, throwing those uh, mentions of Succotash 
into the tweet sack. We appreciate it. Let's uh, hear a little bit of music from uh, a, a young lady and comedian we've heard from before, not for a little while. But uh, this is Jesus Walks by Karen Kilgariff off her album Behind You. Walks and he runs and he flies. He can harness the wind. He's in charge of who lives and dies. He has open wounds and his heart's on fire. He can see us right now. He is watching us. song Jesus Walks off her album Behind You. Find it and some other goodies over at KarenKilgariff.com or you can also just click on the link at our home site, SuckatashShow.com. You know, we have an accompanying blog for every episode of the podcast that drops where I outline who you're going to hear and uh, some other goodies that happen on the show. And there's always a lot of links there, including uh, Twitter links to the people behind the podcasts and ways to get to their site. So uh, you can check out uh, not just Karen Kilgariff, but anybody else you heard on today's show uh, at SuccotashShow.com. So see how handy we make things for you. Trusted friends, are you part of the 99%? With tax season just around the corner, there's no better time to hitch up your britches and occupy a pair of Henderson's accountant's pants. Created by Henderson's Pants CFO Samuel Grifter to keep track of the company's then meager finances right after the stock market crash of 1929, these trousers have a series of interlocking rear pockets made for storing and sorting receipts, invoices, and financial records of every kind. Perfect for day-to-day purchases as well as those one-time big-ticket items. Just pop the paperwork in the patented paper pusher in the back of every pair of Henderson's accountant's pants and it is tucked away in the correct pocket every time. And these pants aren't just for keeping receipts in your seat. While you're taking care of business in the back, our deep pockets in the front are roomy enough to move all your money out of those giant banks and keep that folding green close to home. 
while there's no accounting for taste, you'll be cooking the books in style with your Henderson's accountant's pants. These trousers may be expensive, but even if you end up breaking the bank to buy a pair, they're made to tighten your belt automatically. And when tax time rolls around, there are no more forms to fill out. Just drop trow and send your Henderson's accountant's pants to the IRS. From now on, instead of giving Uncle Sam the shirt off your back, you can give him the pants right off your ass. Originally designed for Black Friday, Bernie Madoff, and national bankers who have trouble keeping their pants on, Henderson's accountant's pants are available wherever the 1% are making a mockery of capitalism. That's Henderson's, makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1783. And now back to Sockatash. Ooh, tax season's coming up. I gotta get myself a, a pair of those Henderson's accountant pants. Thank you very much, Bill Haywatt. You know, the Geek Generation's a podcast that has passed the century episode mark uh, a while ago. I think the, the clip we have today is from episode 117, so uh, congratulations, guys. They cover anything remotely geeky. Video games, movies, TV, comic books, tech, animation, you name it. If it's geeky in any way, shape, or form, they will eventually get around to it. And by they, I mean Rob Logan, Mike Volpe, Anna Zifkak, and Mikey Asarnot. Uh... And, you know, even though co-host Anna Zifkak has grown up by buying a house and now she's about to get married, you cannot just get rid of the geek, can you? And a geek cannot just have an ordinary wedding now, can she? Any other freakouts? Freakout number two, which is why the guys kind of freaked out at my geek outs because it wasn't on the list yeah, of geek outs. Yeah, a little um, surprised. Okay, it's not. Okay, the main thing is not a freakout. It's okay. the aftermath. So oh. I'm getting married. Anna's Yay! engaged. Yay! Um, She's been swept away. I've been with my boyfriend for <laughs> six and a half years, so it's about time. So it's good, and we're all happy. Re- in it's that. been that long. Yeah, I have yet to meet this guy. I know. Well, it held kind of hard. I can't bring him to the parties. Oh, that's <laughs> right. I don't come to the parties. <laughs> so that's I would have right. brought him to the barbecue, except we couldn't go. And you know, I you're not allowed to say yes without our approval, right? I mean, I know you already did, but we we have to clear this guy to make sure he's marriage He'll material. Be okay. He'll be fine. Okay. No, I actually, I was thinking about it, and I didn't, I don't think I actually said yes, but I took the ring. I just, like, hugged, I was, like, so, like, what's going on? And, like, I just, like, hugged him. Oh, wow. But I, but I took it, so I assume that's an implied that, yes. That, that's a yes, <laughs> okay. yeah. That's a yes. Because we were talking about the, everybody's Although he's at home right now going, why have you said yes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you took it, you put it on, you came back wearing it. So it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You didn't pawn it. Yeah, Um. so that's not the... F- that's not the freak out. That's fine. I'm totally happy. It's great. But the actual wedding, oh. I am freaking out about. Yeah. Because, and not the way most girls freak out about weddings. My problem is I can't be bothered. Like, I don't <laughs> fucking care. Like, I really don't. Like, I, I put it on Facebook that I went on the internet to look for a dress for yeah. about 45 seconds and i was bored out of my mind like i hate shopping i hate you should it. let us like that was just dress. gonna say <laughs> tardis dress no, i have like, told her i think she should dress up like the the resident evil character from the first we, movie the red dress your wedding? <laughs> yes please heaven's no, fury wedding yeah. planning service <laughs> yes See, and moving company <laughs> that's right that's right no that's that's part of it though because we also joked um on facebook about me having a nintendo wedding because i'm like i just want to play mario kart like i don't like it i hate dancing i hate i don't do any of that stuff so i'm like but at the same time it's like i literally can't be bothered like i am not gonna put the time and effort in getting a big screen tv and a projector and a wii down to my wedding i'm serious hire us (laughs) yeah if if it makes 
the reception could be at a place that has like mini golf and go karts. Yes. And we yes. could actually have real life Mario Kart where we each <gasps> dress as a character. We all bring like bananas and fruit and throw them at each other. Turtle shells. <laughs> the problem is it would be my family and you two dressed up like, like Mario and Luigi. It's just so but it's like <laughs> what's wrong? With that? <laughs> I'm, I'm not hearing a problem yet. I'm not. Oh, uh, I don't know. It's just too much. It, like I don't. I'm not a party planner. Like I don't care like you yeah. can show me 35 bouquets and i'm like they're flowers they're pretty who needs flowers Flowers are pretty like that's their job i'll just find a fire flower and we'll just replicate it over and over yeah <laughs> we'll stick with the mario know. theme i'm kind of set yeah. on that i don't know it's just like the whole like i don't want a bridal shower because i don't have any female friends so it's going to be like my mom and my sister i'm going to be like yay I mean, it's I, just I not. Think, oh, just do it your way. Why, yeah. why does it matter? Well, just it do does, it your way. But that's the thing is my way would literally be like in my backyard, which there's not enough place to park. Yeah. Like I can't have it in my backyard. Like I would literally just want to have a party. And like, I know. Do it. do it. Yeah, but they're not going to let me. Because no, who's, who's my parents? Who's paying for it? Are they my paying? My parents. All right. Be a part of the Geek Gen at thegeekgeneration.com iTunes, or Stitcher Smart Radio. And you know, if you haven't used Stitcher, it's a great way to not have to download something. You can usually stream it right to your car by, by way of your, uh, well, your smartphone or your uh, tablet or however you tend to listen to your, your podcast. You can do it through Stitcher a lot of the times. And uh, check them out at stitcher.com. Uh, it's, a, it's an easy way to go. You know, once you've dropped into the geek generation, why not jump the tracks to the seamier side of town and jump into a wheelbarrow full of dicks? <laughs> That's the podcast featuring Mike, Drunk, Paul, and Napier. It could be Napier. I don't really know. Uh, these are four guys that I know actually very little about because, as is often the case, 84% of podcasters have an aversion to revealing too much information about themselves on their website. I got that stat, by the way, the same place I found out that 72% of podcasters make up statistics. Anyway, Wheelbarrow, full of dicks, falls under my heading of being an STS show, shooting the shit. And these guys will go anywhere that there's conversation to be had, uh, topic-wise. They, I think they just stay in one place. Here they examine movie gun logic. <laughs> Have you guys ever been watching a TV show and the main character, like, they get into a situation... And the main character's offered a gun. And he goes, no, I don't use guns. And then he goes at it the most back-asswards way. And if he would just have a gun, it would have been over like 30 minutes earlier. Well, I like when the, the final face-off in a movie involves two characters that have guns. And they decide to drop the guns and duke it out. Yeah, for no damn reason. Like at the end, I think at the end of Expendables 2, like, you know... Stallone drops his gun and Jean-Claude Van Damme walks out with a fucking machine gun and he's, oh, okay, well, I'll drop mine too. Fuck you, man. I'll shoot you in the face. I'm Indiana Jones. I don't want to get punched in the face. Right. Yeah. No shit. Fuck that. You, gotta, you don't have a gun and I have one? I'm shooting you in the face. Have you seen Looper? Yes, I did. So... It was all right, flick, right? What do you think? You think it's was... yeah? I mean, it was it was a good flick. It had its flaws, but I think for the most part, it was good. So I guess the, the thing really bothered me is like, so at one point, you know, they're trying to chase down the future guy, and so they start like getting the younger version of him and like cutting off limbs and shit, right? Yeah. Why don't they just shoot him in the fucking head? Yeah. Like they're getting the old guy back so they can kill him. Well, that I was yelling that through Taken 2, like through the whole movie I was yelling, "Why don't you just shoot her in the face?" 
But you were talking about Looper. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, they like start lopping off limbs so they can get this guy to come back so they can kill him. And then they're presumably killing the guy who they just lopped off all his limbs as well. So like, just shoot him. Why, why are we going through all this? Did you see Taken 2? No. Basically, Taken 2, one of the guys that he killed in Taken 1's dad is pissed. He says, oh, well, I want him and his daughter and his wife. Now, theoretically, you would want the daughter and the wife to get him. I mean, that's what you would want to do. So at one point in the movie... Spoiler alert, I guess. Even though who, who cares? I mean, Liam Neeson kills everybody at the end. Liam but, motherfucking Neeson. Uh, fucking, uh, they have him. They have him chained up. They're going to kill him. That's the plan. And they're chasing this chick on the roof, uh, the daughter on a rooftop because, you know, they, they want her alive. Why? You got the dad. Shoot her in the face. Well, weren't they going to sell her into sexual slavery? I think that was Taken 1. Yeah, that was Taken 1. This one, they just want to kill everybody. Well, now they're going to recoup their investment. But then at the end, they have the wife. He's chasing them. Why not just shoot her in the face? What do you need to carry her around for? He's still coming. He's right there. Shoot her in the face. Well, then he might not keep coming. He He would. You just killed his wife. We saw how He's going to hunt you down. He's got a particular set of skills. Because he has a particular set of skills. Motherfucker. But yeah, no, I'd, I'd have shot both of those broads in the face. You can push your own wheelbarrow full of dicks to wfo.podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, RadioFubar.com, and they are also to be heard in PodcastAlley.com. Enjoy that, won't you? What would you call a sports podcast that has precious little to do with sports? How about the It's Not Soccer podcast. That's what Adam Barker, who Succotashians know from the Oddcast podcast, and Billy Cutmore call their show. This clip from It's Not Soccer is from their episode just before Christmas. Alcohol has been consumed, it seems, at least on one person's part. There's a hangover in the studio, and the guys are talking about rabbits, bagels, and deltos. We should have had a few beers, a few more beers before we started. I've got a horrible hangover. Mm. Yes. I was up till six, seven o'clock this morning, still Ooh, drinking out. vodka and lemonade till that time in the morning as well. Didn't sort of stop drinking and just stay up pissed. I was just carrying on drinking. It's one of the ones where you sort of feel like you drink yourself sober. Yeah. You're not sober at all. No, not even close. It's your body's way of saying, stop drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Run enough now. I've diluted everything. All of it. <laughs> Oh, you are going to have a fucking hangover tomorrow, boy. You're going to suffer. And then I was up at about 11. Why? Uh, one Why of the pals, M come downstairs and put the telly on. So I sort of woke up, had a little chat, and I went to, to the co-op. Got some bagels and some eggs and some bacon, some sausages, beans, tomatoes. Is that why I saw a lot of burnt bagels when I turned up to that? There was two burnt. M was actually meant to take them back with her because she was going to give them to her rabbit. Bagels are good for rabbits, apparently. I don't think that's, that's not a fact, though, is it? Um, when you, perhaps when you, when you perhaps get, a, a, no, a, a, a rabbit likes bagels. Yeah, that's probably more. It's not like, oh, they're good for them. No, there's no, there's no like vet out there, veterinarian nurse saying, um, hello, yeah. If you've got a rabbit, give them bagels. Prolongs their life. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for them. Hang on. Why are, they, why are these adverts, right? Are they giving Duracell batteries to rabbits and not bagels? <laughs> <laughs> Make them last longer. They're not real rabbits. They're not? No. 
Rampant rabbits. They're rampant rabbits. <laughs> They've not got fucking big dildos running about. That'd be it. That's it. I'd prefer to see that advert, because then you'd say, good battery then. <laughs> <laughs> if it's going to make a dildo run that fast, or... <laughs> dildos don't do it, it's vibrate, isn't it? Yeah, dildos can't, they're like a, like a, a snake, they've got no arms or legs, have they? So, would you, you put it in water, could it swim? Right? This is going to be a weird, weird thing to think about, but... <laughs> when they show like a dildo the floppy big thick floppy yeah, yeah. one that look like rubber yeah. I always think why would you stick that up your fanny because it's not even hard it's floppy Um, I think I wouldn't know right I but why because it, it's just going to bend it, isn't is it is it more of a real one it feels more real but you never have sex with a woman with a, with a floppy do you with a floppy no it's you always can't. hard you can't no you can't you, you can try it yeah but, but you know you just—it's like sticking play-doh for one of them holes. End up crying into a pillow. <laughs> it's like sticking plasticine when them holes. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But anyway, uh, what we talking about? <laughs> I started talking about a hobby. You were talking about bagels and rabbits. Yeah, apparently bagels are good for rabbits. So yeah, that's what fact. Yeah, so that's Cut why I'm shit, hanging. Rabbits. Had a good breakfast, you know. Breakfast of champions once you've had a. Few beers the night before, and a bagel, and a bagel. I didn't actually have a bagel. I'll Billy had a bagel. I'll have a bagel, bagel, bagel for breakfast. Bagel. Billy had a bagel. Yeah, bagel. Billy is a rabbit. And a bagel. <laughs> Billy is a rabbit. Rabbit bagel. Kind of you should not write <laughs> new songs <laughs> or anything. I come fucked up at the end. Of. Last year, about this time, we had Cole Stratton on the show, co-host of the Pop My Culture podcast. Cole's also a former member of my improv group, The Riffingtons, and one of the three founder producers of the SF Sketchfest. This year, let's bring in David Owen, second member of that production team, to talk about this year's upcoming exciting show. Let's just jump into this thing, and uh, we'll see where it takes us. All right, sounds good. Very good. I've got uh, David Owen on the phone. David is one of the founders and organizers and main drivers behind the San Francisco Sketchfest. Hi, Hello, Mark. David. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, this is the 12th annual version of the Sketchfest. It is, yes. I can't believe we have a 12-year-old. <laughs> Next year, we're, we'll plan the, the bar mitzvah for our festival. <laughs> and before long, it'll be wanting to drive. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Learner's permit coming up. Well, let's uh, first of all uh, have a little bit of history here because uh, I uh, I know David and have known David for a long time. We go way back. I think we met probably around the time we were starting this thing. I think uh, maybe even before that. Could that yeah, be possible? Maybe. Possibly. You, I, I yeah, know you were doing improv with Cole Stratton, yeah. one of my partners uh, at Cobbs, and that was around the time we were starting the festival. So, yeah, I think we probably met. A year or two before. Yeah, I think that's right. And uh, last year we talked to our friend Cole. So we'll talk to you this year. Then we'll talk to Janet Varney next year. Sounds good. And then we'll be done with you. Great. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Dave, what have you been doing? Uh, Well, let's see. Um, Let's actually get into this way. Uh, The sketch was going for 12 years. Yes. And it takes about... A uh, month, let's say roughly a month, three weeks to four weeks. Uh, the, festival, the festival, yeah, is course. about three weekends, so it's it's uh, seventeen days. And it um, starts on January twenty fourth, January twenty fourth to February tenth. Yeah, and it's in San Francisco, 
proper. Yeah, in San Francisco proper, we've branched over the bridge a couple of times here and there. But uh, I think this year we have one show in Oakland, but everything else is in the city of San Francisco in about 26 different venues. Well, how did you guys get the idea to do Sketchfest in the first place? Well, it was when we started, it was it was really just about having a pla- having a showcase for our own sketch group. Uh, J- Janet and Cole and I were were the members of uh, three of the four members of a sketch comedy group called Totally False People, and we were just out of college and we were starting to do shows in little coffee shops around town and. Um, we wanted to do a longer run of a show. So we, we had written a sketch show and we wanted to rent a theater downtown and, and do a run of like for about a month, which is what we all came out of theater. So that's what we thought you're supposed to do. You, you put up a show and you do a long run. And so we started to look into theaters and we found a theater downtown, the Shelton Theater, 80 seats. But we just, we were all college kids with no money and we didn't have enough money to the theater on our own so we called up five other sketch comedy groups in town and said hey do you guys want to split the cost of this theater and we'll do a run of shows and we'll call it sketch fest and it'll be a festival of sketch comedy and everyone said sure so then that's sort of how it came about was just we wanted to perform and it was all really about us getting on stage and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then it was it did did well enough that we decided we'd keep doing it and start inviting other people. Now, did you think when you first started that you'd just kind of have a run, you'd do it for maybe the next year, then you guys would all move to Los Angeles, have your big TV careers, and we'd never uh, see you again? Yeah. The, well, the first year we didn't really, I don't think we were thinking beyond that first year. I think we just thought, let's just do this. Let's try this. And yeah, at the time we were all out of college. We were all just out of college, and we all either had film or theater degrees. So we thought we were gonna, you know, to do use that use those degrees to some to some good. Um, and Colin, <laughs> yes, Colin and Janet have. I mean, they live in L.A. and they both do a lot of acting. And um, but at the time, I think we thought, yeah, this sketch comedy group is gonna, you know, our our goal was to to you know. To, be the next kids in the hall or go to, you know, move to LA or, or move to Toronto and start our own. Sure. Uh, uh, so yeah, we, we, we didn't really think we're going to be festival producers. We just thought we're doing this cause we want to perform and no one else is going to do it for us. So let's just do it. And uh, what kind of experience did you have organizing such a thing when you got started? Pretty much zero. We, we had, <laughs> In college, we had organized little theater things with, you know, we had taken classes where we kind of were part of a little theater company and every week we would put up a show, a play, like a, like a little one act play, uh, during lunchtime, it was called the Brown Bag Theater at SF State. And so we sort of kind of learned how to do a little bit of everything in terms of putting on a show, directing, acting, writing, uh, you know, tech and, and advertising so but that was a little tiny microcosm of what we do now and so we you know we we just sort of knew how to do that a little bit and then Cole and I had also worked on some little you know student films and things which takes a certain level of organization but we really didn't know we just sort of 
we've been figuring it out as we've gone along and we've been doing that for 12 years. We're still figuring it out every year as there's something new and some new learning experience and some challenges that we, we, we face. But so yeah, we, we just, we just, uh, we've, we've learned by doing. Well, it's kind of funny just sort of having been on the sidelines since it started, I feel kind of like some sort of, uh, weird uncle. And, yeah. you know, I, I see it every week and it, or every year rather. And it's amazing the level of performer that you've had um, over the last, well, particularly the last five years that comes to this thing. Yeah, it's been, we, it, no one's more surprised than us. I think every, we sometimes go, isn't this weird? Like we, we never set out to do this. And I remember there were certain little milestones here and there. The set, or just in our second year, we were able to talk Fred Willard and the Citizens Brigade into coming. And we couldn't believe it. That was the biggest deal in the world. I could not believe we got those guys. Then yeah. two or th- third or fourth year, we got one of the kids in the hall after just months of, you know, asking Thank him. You. Yeah, but you're just sort of being cheeky and sending him stupid emails. And, and this was to Bruce McCullough. And, you know, he agreed to come. And then we, we couldn't believe it. That was like, oh, we can die now. Like we've <laughs> we've had a <laughs> – this is the biggest – you know, this is – that dream come true. And and somewhere in the back of my head, I thought, well, maybe, maybe someday we, maybe someday we could get a group of the kids in the hall to come. And then, you know, so having Bruce that one year and then the next year Dave Foley came and then the next year, I think Scott. And then, so it took about, you know, four more years and then we had all of them. (laughs) The big, Oh, I, I can't believe we got these guys. It's, you know, and, and so it's, 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 been an interesting ride and and it's we've you know we we started out wanting to perform in every festival and uh we our group performed i think in the first three festivals and then we kind of went our separate ways as performers but we've just the three of us have just really fallen into a a, a really great groove in terms of our working relationship and and we have similar taste comedy and we can kind of complete each other's sentences and so we work really well together as producers, and um, Janet and Cole continue to perform in the festival. They do improv and they do their podcasts and stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's been so. But you're kind of you're kind of you're kind of the anchor point because you live here in San Francisco. Yeah, there's there's certain advantages and and disadvantages to being the one who lives in San Francisco. Um, <laughs> I mean, if there's a if there's a meeting that has to happen here or a site visit, guess who gets to do that? That's me. Um, but you know, <laughs> you know, I have no complaints because I like living in San Francisco, and I'd rather live here than Los Angeles any any day of the week. Um, sure. Now, you guys also do events throughout the year now, right? I mean, uh, there, I, I'm often seeing uh, every couple of months or somebody who comes up, it's sort of under the auspice of a sketch fist. Well, there's a few, there's things that we do on our own throughout the year that are things that we seek out and produce and invite someone to do a, a, a short run or a one-off show. Um, are you still there? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought I heard some noises. Um, so we, there are, yeah, there are shows that we book and produce on our own. And then there are certain things that come up that someone else is producing and we get involved as a co-presenter. And then, but there are some big projects that we've done throughout the year. Uh, just this last year, we worked with Outside Lands to do their 
to work with them on their comedy tent. So that was a great um, project to work on. It's a huge outdoor festival. We've never done anything like that. So it was fun to, you know, to work with a, with a new partner and try something completely different. And um, the year prior to that, we, we teamed up with Shorenstein Hayes Niederlander um, to do a big Jim Henson puppet improv show in a kind of Broadway downtown, the Broadway style theater downtown. So those were really fun, interesting things for us to try, but, but they kind of just come up from time to time. There's never been, there's not like a big master plan for what, you know, shows we're going to do year round. So what do you do to fill your time after the tent is struck on February 10th and, uh, you go back in your, in a drawer for a year? Yeah, I fold myself up and, uh, <laughs> off with my cape and my vampire teeth. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, um, I still do other festivals from time to time. Um, for the last six or seven years, I've produced the, uh, the live major live events for the San Francisco International Film Festival. Um, and then just this last year, I was invited to curate the cinema tent at the Bonnaroo Festival in Tennessee. Oh, nice. That was, yeah, that was really fun. I mean, the, it's a festival I've heard a lot about for many years and, you know, kind of a Woodstock style outdoor rock and roll festival. And, and I'd been hearing that they've got a lot of really cool, interesting side things going on. They have a comedy tent, they have a cinema tent. And, um, so to you know, they have a comedy booker already, but to, so to get invited to work on their cinema tent was a, a nice challenge and a nice change of pace for me. So that was that's and I, I'm that again. So I'll get to after this. I'll be working. Most of my time will be spent working on uh, getting ready for that festival, which is in June. Oh wow, that's uh, so that's uh, got to fill your time pretty well. Plus, uh, you've got a family. Yes, I do. Yeah. So now I, I've got a three-year-old and, um, so that, that really, she takes up most of my time when I'm not stuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is the, you know, you know, running this podcast and, uh, knowing the troubles that a lot of podcasters have to get guests, what are the tricks to get people to say, yeah, we'll do your show? It's, it's changed a lot over the years. Cause when we the first half, I mean, the first five, six years, it was a lot harder. I mean, it does, it's gotten easier in some ways and it's gotten harder in other ways. Um, How's it gotten easier? Oh, it's gotten easier that more people know who we are. More people in the comedy world know who we are. So when we're asking them, when, when we're inviting them to come, these days more of them have heard of us. They know, they've heard of the festival. They know friends that have done it. So that it's not just this blind, cold call of, hey, we're this festival you never heard of. Would you like to come? So there's a little bit of this, just based on being around for 12 years and having so many different comedians come through. We, it's easier in the sense that a lot of people, a lot of comedians who come, I think, enjoy it to a degree that they want to come back and they want to bring their friends or they tell their friends, oh, you should come do this because mm-hmm. fun and I'm going to do this show. Would you like to be in my show? So every year our, our sort of our stock company of characters sort of grows and grows because we keep in you know, we invite our some of our favorites come back year after year, Paul F. Tompkins or Reggie Watts or Jimmy Pardo or yeah. Dave. And these guys have 
keep coming back and they keep bringing their friends and doing other shows. So in that sense, it's easier, but, um, it's, but you know, it's also, it's grown a lot and, and there are a lot of different shows and a lot of balls to juggle. And, and so it's, it's never easy. It's, it's still, it's still a difficult, uh, process and it takes a lot of late nights and a lot of long hours. And you do have shows that are running simultaneously at different spaces around the city. Yeah, all over the place, which is something we used to we, – we never dreamed that we would do. We, we never wanted to have two shows going on at the same time because that would mean we would miss something. Because the first few years, we wanted to see everything. Like we wanted to be there and be in the audience or get to experience it. That was really part of the fun for us was, was getting to be in the audience. And now um, – we, we just want to do more shows and there's more of a demand for it. And there's, we want to have more diversity and different options for people. So on any given night, especially on a weekend night, we've got shows going in as many as 10 to 15 venues, um, all around. <laughs> wow. so, okay. so how do you decide where you would need to be? Well, the three of us, what we do is we have to go through the calendar and carve up kind of not where we want to be, but where we have to be. So, um, right little bit of where we want to be and there's a little bit of negotiating that takes place between the three of us about oh i really wanted to see that oh but someone's got to be over there because they have to do this and introduce this person and then they've got to you know take care of xyz so we just see as much as we can and but we're also working at the same time so we've got to make sure that everything's cool and we're you know check in with our staff and um but yeah, it's a lot of shows going on at once. But that I think that's good for a festival because that gives people options, gives people choices of you know, do they see the stand up or the sketch or the improv or the tribute? And um, if something's yeah. out, then they've got several other options. What uh, what is the uh, um, trick to uh, juggling all these shows and keeping it all straight while the festival's going? Um. Well, we spend, you know, we spend a couple of months getting everything as organized as possible. Um, and our, my, you know, my partners and myself and our amazing staff and volunteers, we, we really try and kind of get everybody prepped in advance. And we've got a million different Google Docs with every schedule and everything, you know, laid out in spreadsheets. And so hopefully by the time the festival starts, we kind of all know where we're supposed to be and what marks we're supposed to hit and who's supposed to be where, when, and why. And, and, uh, and then it's sort of a day by day thing. You kind of, you roll, you kind of, it's a roller coaster. You just sort of, (laughs) once it starts, you hang on and you make sure you're remembering all the different things that need to happen on that day. And then you get a couple of hours sleep and you do it all over again for 17 days in a row. And, uh, it's in uh, the course Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I was done. I was just just saying that um, oh. it uh, it's um, never a perfect process is, is what I was going to say because no matter how much planning you can do, there's always there are always things that come up that uh, you just have to deal with in the moment. So, in the course of twelve years, are there any um, horror stories that stand out in your mind? Things that went horribly awry. Yes, <laughs> fortunately, um, there have been a couple of uh, 
Well, the, you know, there have been a couple of things that have come up. I mean, we, there, we've had some cancellations, um, you know, when we're dealing with this level of talent, you know, of having, you know, major stars, you know, if they have, they'll commit to do a live appearance, but they always have a clause that if they get a TV or a film or something, a TV or a film gig, that they can drop out at 30 days notice or whatever. And it did very on the show. And then there was one year where we had a tribute to Conan O'Brien, but unfortunately it was the year that the Tonight Show fell apart and it was <laughs> when, you know, oh, yeah. yanked back. <laughs> so this was all happening like a week or two before our tribute to Conan. And so, <laughs> and we kept hearing, you know, everything's cool, nothing's changing. And then two days before our event, we got the call that he wasn't going to be able to come. So that was, that was probably the most challenging um, uh, situation that we had to deal with just because it was the festival had just started. It was our second day. We were two days away from a sold-out tribute, and we had to deal with the, all of the various consequences of having to pull the plug on that. But the, the, the happy ending to that story is that um, Conan did come back and eventually do the event. So that summer, and I think it was July, we found a, a date that he could do. And he, you know, he came up and did the tribute and it was a huge success. So, so that was, that, I remember. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there've been a, it's just, Hey, this is, the, this is how this business works. This is live entertainment. And it's not, you know, there are things that are going to happen that aren't going to be perfect and you just have to deal with it and do the best you can. Yeah. Um, so in this, uh, upcoming 12th annual, who are some of the performers you're excited to have in town? Um, there's so many, but uh, the things that I've been personally most excited about are the things that are a little bit different, a little weird, a little like not traditional comedy shows. Um, mm-hmm. year we started a, 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 a series called the residency, uh, about with the comedian and musician Reggie Watts. And, um, the idea is that he comes and he does a series of different shows collaborating with different people and doing completely different things each night. And so that we did it last year and this year we're doing it. He does a night with a dance troupe. So he's going to perform live music with a, with a, a live dance. <laughs> I have no idea what to expect. And then the next night he's doing a collaboration with Michael Winslow, the police Academy sound effects guy. So they'll do, sure. And then he's going to do a show with the jazz pianist Robert Glasper and the jazz drummer Chris Dave. So they'll be improvising some kind of you know jazz comedy hybrid of music. Um, so th- those are the kinds of things that I'm the most excited about. Um, and then you know so you have uh, Bruce Campbell coming up. Yes, Bruce Campbell is someone that we've invited for a few years, and it didn't work out schedule wise, and. This year it finally did, so we're we're thrilled. We, we we've he's someone that we've loved forever, and you know we've been wanting to bring and and uh, so we're doing uh, we're going to show Army of Darkness at the Castro Theater, and he's going to nice. do a day with Patton Oswalt, who is a friend of his. Oh, and great! Worked together on Burn Notice recently, and they became friends. And so yeah, that I think that's going to be a really entertaining conversation. I don't know whether I'm proud or ashamed to say I saw those episodes. 
I, you know, I have to admit, I have not. Um, I don't watch. I haven't seen Burn Notice, so I, I, uh, I would. I've, I've watched every episode. Oh, <laughs> well, I. Have, <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge Bruce's work film, and I mean his the Evil Dead trilogy is just you know modern classic. Um, but if you haven't seen him as Sam Axe, I think I, you have to recuse yourself. Yes, I should. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's see. We start on the twenty fourth. Yeah, and people can yeah. get their tickets where? People can get their tickets at sfsketchfest dot com. Um, everything's right there. There's a hundred and fifty plus shows and lots of comedy, lots of options, lots of choices, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I think. I think. Uh, it sounds. I sound. I probably sounds sound, like it is going to be great. Uh, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, good, Dave. Thanks so much for uh, talking to me. Thank you, Mark. And I look my forward to seeing you during the Sketchfest. See you very soon. If you find yourself in or near San Francisco between January 24th and February 10th, check out the amazing lineup, and you can also get tickets at sfsketchfest.com. You can find information on the show by following at sfsketchfest on Twitter, too. Do it. That raging moderate Will Durst was absent last episode for our burst of Durst due to him contracting a bad case of vacation. But he's back with us now with some resolutions for the new year. Hey guys, Will Durst here to say, whoa, thank God we made it to the new year. And now we're deep enough into it that many of us have occasionally remembered to write 2013 on our checks. Yeah, checks, aren't we the analog ones? Well, as a public service, we have decided to help out with a couple of resolutions that should have been made for this, the fourth year of the second decade of the 21st century, but probably weren't. For Joe Biden to take an oath to open every press conference with, Who wants a piece of me? And then frighten small children by laughing hysterically. For the 113th Congress to resolve to supersede the 112th Congress's success by accomplishing even less otherwise known as absolutely nothing. Say it again. For President Obama, who pledges to outline a plan to fix the Social Security problem once and for all and doesn't include raising the retirement age to 83. For Donald Trump, who commits himself against his better judgment to somehow stumble onto the semblance of a clue. For the airline industry, who will make every effort to finally rid the skies of the most dangerous security element known to man, those pesky passengers. For General David Petraeus, who vows to eat more meals at home, alone, in the garage. For Chris Christie, who swears to do all he can to avoid snickering every time he runs into Mitt Romney. For Greece, who aspires to become more like Portugal. For Hillary Clinton, who swears to do all she can to avoid snickering every time she runs into Joe Biden. For John Boehner, who pledges to find a foundation color that reads less pumpkin and more summer squash. For Harry Reid, who makes a determined effort to focus more on the slightly wacky and less on the plum crazy. For the Supreme Court, steadfastly vowing to put the fun back in dysfunctional. For Lindsay Lohan, who will make a concerted effort to get back to the thing that she's really good at, and equally determined to remember exactly what it is. For Suckatash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Get yourself all the Durst you can read at WillDurst.com and follow him on Twitter at WillDurst. That was a lot of show for your money.
Wait a minute, you, you didn't pay to get in here? Unbelievable. So much entertainment. You are welcome to drop by our home site and click the donate button anytime you want and toss some bucks our way. It would offset the cost of production, and we would love that, believe me. We'll even thank you on the show. So find us at SuccotashShow.com. Find the donate button in the upper right. It says donate on it. Uh, until next time, if there's a favorite podcast you listen to but haven't heard us feature on this show, drop me a line at mark, M-A-R-C, at SuccotashShow.com. You can also call into our Succotash hotline and leave us a message about anything. Podcasts, strange itches, uh, people following you. Uh, the number is uh, 818-921-7212. And if you are a comedy podcaster and would like us to feature a clip from your show, you can always send us a three to five minute MP3 clip to clips at SuccotashShow.com. Also, we'd appreciate it if you'd like us on Facebook. You can also rate and review us on iTunes. That helps our numbers grow. Thumbs up us on Stitcher. Retweet us at Suctash Show. And please, please, please don't forget to pass the Suctash. You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com or at Suckatash Show on iTunes. And even at Suckatash Show on your smartphone Stitcher app. Follow Suckatash on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Friend Suckatash on Facebook. Email us at marc at SuckatashShow.com or just pick up that phone and give Suckatash a ring at 1-818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino at Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is... Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash. Hello, this is Chef John from foodwishes.com with succotash. Not suffering succotash, succulent succotash. America's oldest side dish. You can read the blog post to find out more about that. But here we go. We got some garlic, some onions, and some green beans, some jalapeno pepper, some red bell pepper, some diced tomato, the kind with the chilies in it, because I had that left over. But you can use any tomato. Some lima beans, very key. And then, of course, corn. I'm using a frozen white corn, organic, if you can get it. And then we're also going to use some zucchini. I have one regular zucchini and then one of the cool zucchini. See that? The ones that have like the little white spots. That's the cool one. And then one of the uncool zucchini. In a large saute pan over medium heat, I'm going to take some olive oil and butter and saute my onions first with a pinch of salt. And you want those to go maybe six, seven minutes. I want them to soften a little bit and just get a little bit brown. I don't want them dark brown, but just a little bit golden to kind of bring out the sweetness. Throw in your garlic, your jalapeno, and your red bell pepper. And we're going to cook that for about three minutes. You do not want to brown the garlic. You always hear me saying that. It just gets too strong and bitter if you brown it. All right, after that softens, which was about three or four minutes, I'm going to add my diced tomatoes. By the way, in the summer, you're, of course, going to dice up a fresh tomato if you can get it. In the winter, can't do that. And a little bit of spice here. You knew it was coming. A little bit of cayenne, a little bit of cumin, 
and some black pepper. By the way, all the ingredients are on the site. You have to get the exact amounts for this recipe. Otherwise, you will have a disaster of biblical proportions. So make sure you check the blog for all the amounts. All right, give that a stir. I'm going to add my green beans, and you notice those are cut nice small pieces. So you don't need to blanch those ahead of time because they're so small they're going to cook just in the steam and the moisture of the mixture. And also we're going to add our diced zucchini and green squash. You can throw in another pinch of salt at this point. We're going to adjust the salt at the end, so don't worry, but I usually throw a little pinch at this point. And then I'm going to add a quarter cup of water. Now I'm going to keep this 100% vegetarian, but you could do chicken stock here. Some people even start this recipe with bacon, believe it or not. But we're going to stay vegetarian. So put in a quarter cup of water and just keep that on medium heat until your zucchini are almost tender. It's going to be about five or six minutes. Give it a stir once in a while. Keep everything moving around. Once the zucchini is just starting to get tender, go ahead and dump in your lima beans. Go ahead and dump in your corn. Give it a mix and you're pretty much done. You're basically just going to cook this until the corn and lima beans are heated through and you're happy with the texture. You can make this really soft if you want or, you know, keep things pretty firm. Up to you. If you need to put another splash of liquid in, go ahead. You always want to give it a taste because you probably need more salt. This is a very bland dish without salt. And if you put enough salt in it, incredibly delicious. You can also throw in some fresh herb here. I've done this with cilantro, parsley, really good. But I'm not going to do that in this case. And that's it. I said earlier this is America's oldest side dish. This comes from a Native American recipe which used beans, corn, and squash, which they called the Three Sisters. It was the staple of their diet. So a really interesting dish, great side dish. I hope you give this a try. Check out the site for all the ingredients. And as always, enjoy. Enjoy.